Welcome to the Hidden Wild Podcast, episode 1040. This is my interview with Andrea Small. She is the co-author of a new book called Navigating Ambiguity. Enjoy. Hello, Andrea. Welcome to the Hidden Wild Podcast. Great to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. From the other side of the globe, mm-hmm. whereabouts are you? San Francisco. San Francisco. Never been? We'll go someday, I hope. One day. I, the Bay Area is a really cool place to visit. I recommend yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. And one day I'll get to Australia. Yeah. List. <laughs> yeah, it's all the plan. There's so many places I want to travel. But, Great. Uh, yes. Once, once at a time. In the last two years, I've certainly put that on hold for, for not only myself, a lot of people, obviously. So. Oh, I'm looking at an expired passport, and it's really sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially if you love to travel. Well, look, I'll, um, congratulations, first of all. You've co-authored a, a book here with Kelly, I can't pronounce her surname, Schmo- Schmoody. 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 What yes. an interesting surname. Kelly Schmoody. Schmoody. That's cool. And Andrea Small. So you guys have written the book Navigating Ambiguity. Um, is that how you pronounce ambiguity or ambiguity? Oh, I never thought about that. I guess I say ambiguity. Ambiguity. Yeah, I had this conversation with my wife once I got your book and um, the more we thought about it, the more we couldn't actually say it. Right, so that's how it goes. It's an interesting word. What what made you guys write this book? Tell us about it. There is a bit of a journey to writing the book and collaborating together. I've been working on the topic of ambiguity and creativity and design for about seven years. Yeah. Um, when I first started teaching at the D School, we were thrown into a lot of ambiguity right off the bat. And as a teaching fellow, the first thing we did, my cohort and I, was to kind of turn a mirror on the D school and start to examine how ambiguity was being used as a creative device and how people either thrived or didn't thrive in all of the ambiguity within design, within creativity, within creative problem solving. So in the course of the fellowship, we started to put together these like zine type things so several quote-unquote drafts of the book later that were just kind of printer copied and stapled together I thought it was done I never thought it would be to the level that it is Um, and then in 2019 I joined forces with Kelly who had been teaching navigating ambiguity in the D school and developing all sorts of new curriculum Um, so she and I partnered in 2019 and that is what you see today. Wow. Work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, how's the book launch going? Well it's received? Really well. So yeah. far, so good. Yeah. You know, I think they told me it was going to be anticlimactic, particularly because I've been working on it for so long. You kind of wish yeah. that there's going to be, you know, like fireworks and, yeah. you know, it's all a big party and then everything, you know, launches off, but it's very slow and quiet. Um, while the books are doing really well, the series, it sounds like is doing really well and we're really super proud of it. Yeah, no, it's great work to be able to write something and I've started reading and I haven't finished it yet. Um, and it's a quick read. It is <laughs> a quick read. I sort of, I sort of opened it up and I was like, oh, I can delve right into this. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. like um, some books I get and I look at it and I go, geez, that's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes. It was very uh, inviting. It's one of my favorite features of this book in particular. It's a two to three and a half hour read or listen. Um, there's lots of beautiful pictures. 
And it, it is one of those books that you can kind of pick up and read a few pages and put down. It's certainly not a tome. Uh, we definitely did not want that for a book about ambiguity. No. What, um, I was going to ask you, who did the illustrations? The illustrations are done by an artist named Reina Takahashi, who's also from the Bay Area. She's a paper craft artist. So all of the art that you see in the book is actually done with just white paper. So from the onset, we had this idea because of the, you know, I don't know, metaphor of ambiguity being a blank piece of paper. There's so much that you could do with it and it could be so daunting and, you need a lot of courage to kind of dive in and start something. Raina took that prompt of just using white paper and playing with light and shadows and just ran with it. So everything that you see is the, these handmade uh, paper illustrations. Um, all of the textures, all of that is all real paper. That's amazing, huh? Yeah. Wow. And then um, the, the pen pen art is Kelly and I. We we both draw, so some of the okay. little drawings are either me or her. Okay, that's cool. Um, and what what does this word mean? Ambiguity. What what does an ambiguity mean? It technically it means to act and holding two things in parallel. So uh, multiple meanings for one thing. There isn't one. You know, it's not black or white. There isn't one answer. Um, I think one of the ways that I best describe ambiguity is kind of comparing it to uncertainty. We That's what I think of. Hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. But it's not quite uncertainty, is it? That's right. Yeah. Um, uncertainty implies that there is something to be certain about. And that means, you know, we're waiting for an answer. Is it a yes or a no? You know, is this thing going to happen or not? And ambiguity is more of a layer of meaning that we apply to objects, things, situations, people. It's our interpretation. Mm. Right. Yeah. So what? So if we look at ambiguity, how do we look at it? Um, do we look at it from the idea that there is uncertainty, there is a lot of unknowns in life or, or the world or even the task that we're working on? Mm -hmm. So we're in the book, we're encouraging people to look at ambiguity as possibility. We're certainly okay. not uh, cheerleaders <laughs> for ambiguity. We're yeah. not, you know, like trying to say, yes, a ton of ambiguity is great all of the time. I think we all learned internationally in the past few years that too much uncertainty is not a good thing. Um, and also having kind of this base layer of existential dread that we're trying to live our lives on top of, it really affects our ability to navigate ambiguity within our work. So yeah. we're encouraging people to kind of look at it as something that's not good or bad, but that it contains possibility. Okay. Why do we, why do we struggle with ambiguity? Well, it's our, our natural uh, human evolution that makes us struggle with ambiguity. Um, are you familiar with the, the lizard brain? The, A little bit, but please brain? explain it. It's always nice to hear it from different <laughs> perspectives. Yeah, so I'm I certainly no uh, brain scientist, but the way that um, I understand it is that our brain has evolved initially to, to keep us alive, to protect us from threats. So if you see a rock, you might think, okay, there's a bear behind that rock and I don't want to die. So your brain goes to the negative thing in order to protect you. It's a right. survival instinct. 
And that part of the brain, the older part of our brain is still in there. <laughs> the yeah, amygdala, yeah. it's still there and it still processes all of our thoughts first. Mm. That's just how the brain works. I'm sure there's brain scientists listening to that. That's like, that is certainly not how the brain works. That's what I understand <laughs> from our research. <laughs> and then uh, we have the prefrontal cortex or the rest of the brain that the, the mammal part of the brain or the newer brain that we can then use for uh, processing emotion and layering meaning and thinking more deeply about something than just that natural instinctive. Instinct. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But ambiguity, you know, your brain doesn't decipher, oh, this is an interesting possibility versus uh, I'm going to, you know, get bit by a snake or something. It just immediately defaults to no. Our brain much prefers to have certainty, um, even if that certainty is bad. Even if we know something is going to be bad, we'd rather know than not know. It's more stressful to not know. And that's simply human evolution. So when we're asking people to be good at navigating ambiguity, especially in the classroom, we're asking people to override their natural instincts, essentially. Hmm. So we we have this yeah animal instinct to to see things negatively, and then to try and counter that we want certainty over uncertainty. Yeah, yeah we we have a, a predisposition to want one thing, to want an answer, to just want something to be known, hmm. and that that is natural. So then, when you encounter something that's incredibly messy in business, in school, in design, in any kind of creative practice, really anywhere, um, it could be really difficult to, to want to stay in that place to kind of stew in the uncertainty. It could be mm. really hard. And it just, you know, like I said, the brain doesn't really decipher what kind of ambiguity it is. You know, if you have a lot of stuff going on in your life, that's, there's a lot of uncertainty that might mean that you're, you're going to be a little bit um, less into that ambiguity in the workplace. So everything is kind of, uh, affects how you handle that, how you handle unknowns. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, in the, the podcasting that you've done, like what unknowns, you know, there has to be a lot of unknowns, especially when you talk to people, you never really know, yeah. um, you know, what you're going to get. So you're entering ambiguity every time you talk to somebody yeah i guess and you, you create tools don't you to deliver um to live with this this uncertainty in life mm -hmm. um and i guess you know podcasting is an example i guess i go into conversations not knowing the person i'm speaking to and sometimes not knowing exactly what we're talking about mm -hmm. but having an open and curious mind helps me sort of just navigate through that you know sort of journey yes and, that, and I guess that those, openness oh sorry I was just going to say, and I guess those, you know, sort of tools would be useful in any situation when there's unknowns. Right, right. Um, those sort of tools are useful for encountering people in any context as well. Mm. Um, you know, in human-centered design, we're asking people to kind of go out and to learn about other people and to not assume that you have all the answers and, and to collaborate and every time you engage with other humans, you open yourself up to uncertainty, for sure. So the, the tools that you have to navigate that and to 
I don't know, keep your curiosity up to make you interested in what somebody else has to say or what else you could find out there. You, you must have a very high ambiguity tolerance. Yeah. Would you have a, like an example of um, a situation or contextual situation whereby a lot of people would probably look at it as very uncertain and, and frightening um, and then how we tackle that with, you know, a different sort of mindset? For sure. I um, I recently uh, learned, I think it might be Waze or Zooks with the self-driving cars. You know, I live in San Francisco, so I, I'm looking out my window at this busy intersection and there's autonomous car after autonomous car going by because they're learning here. And um, a grad school colleague of mine uh, was talking about a project she's working on and there's so much uncertainty when it comes to our autonomous future and having robots, you know, going up and down the streets, they started to hire philosophers to really think about the cultural implications of how mobility is going to change over time. So there are huge moments of ambiguity like that, that, Mm. you know, how the laws are changing, how the technology is changing, how people are changing, movement is changing, cities you know, there's all sorts of uh, legal and political implications. That's, you know, there's a, a ton of ambiguity there, but there's also ambiguity in, you know, a hiring process. You're interviewing someone or you're onboarding them and you want to set up a relationship to be good, you know, for a person that you're hiring to your team. So that kind of like what Ashish says in his book about courage, um, there are, is big ambiguity, kind of that epic ambiguity and daily yeah. ambiguity. Yeah. You know, it's not all jumping out of a plane. Yeah. (laughs) I won't do that again either. Oh, I can never. (laughs) Done it three times and the last time I crash landed. That's too much uncertainty. (laughs) (laughs) um, Wait, did the parachute not open? I'm curious. No, we just dropped suddenly. I must have hit an air pocket or something and we dropped to the ground. And um, yeah, luckily I I, I wasn't injured. Um, Oh, wow. Got rushed to hospital. So that was exciting. But I, I actually enjoy the uncertainty. Um, and I don't know why that is. Um, something to do with the upbringing or something like that. Mm-hmm. I've got a curious and open mind too, which sort of helps me navigate that uncertainty. But I've just found that whether it's big or small, um, particularly big stuff I really like, um, when you walk through it and get, come out the other side, you have this level of growth. And I think that's what's really the opportunity behind any ambiguity that we face in life. Yes, there's, there's anytime you take a risk of any kind, there's ambiguity there. Um, If you're taking a risk, it's a risk because there's uncertainty for Mm. sure. And each time you take a risk, you build up your capacity to, to continue to do that. It's really a muscle that you can practice and build. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, I mean, I look at that and, and bravely say that I'm, I'm that sort of person, but I do have a lot of comforts in my life that would be very difficult for me to change because I have them for a reason, you know, to, to help me deal with that level of ambiguity every day. Um, we do have those comforts too, um, which you then have to be brave to, to try and break if, if they're not, you know, healthy comforts, I suppose. Right. Right. Um, and it is so different for every single individual Mm. you know the way that you handle uncertainty and the unknown and ambiguity has everything to do with your context with you know your your life and your history and your current situation and everything that surrounds you 
So, you know, and it changes every day. So your comfort with ambiguity today might be really great. And then tomorrow something could change and it's just not. Um, so having that flexibility to understand that people's capacity for uncertainty is not consistent or it's not, it, it's also ambiguous, very meta. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so what, what, what do you, um, what tools do you have for us to help us use ambiguity? Um, and I like it, not using it for the opportunity that might be there. What tools could you give us to help us navigate that? And I guess it's very different for situations, but. Yes, yes, it is very different depending on the situation. And the first thing we say about tools, you know, when we first started writing the book, we had a finite list of tools where we're like, here are the 10 tools for navigating ambiguity. Mm. And, you know, back to our brain loves that. Our brain loves, you know, a list, a complete list um, and certainty around what those tools are. And we realized that there's there's no finite toolkit to attain. There's no, you know, amount of tools that you learn and then you've got it. Um, the, the toolbox that you have for navigating ambiguity changes and what you need is up to the task at hand. Yeah. So if we equate it to like sailing and navigation, your tools might be about the direction of the wind or your pace or uh, navigating with the stars or, mm. you know, the position right. of the sails. Um, yeah. For navigating ambiguity, we articulated it, the tools as a series of balances. So uh, balancing your perspective, balancing your pace, uh, balancing the the scale in which you're observing things. And then there are tools within that. So if you just look at something like balancing your pace, knowing when to speed up and slow down. Um, we have an example in the book from Kimmy Werner, who's a professional free diver who free dives for like up to a minute at a time. And she has this great TED talk about uh, slowing down to speed up you know, when you're diving and you're starting to gasp for air, mm. you have this natural uh, desire to start kicking and, you know, to, to kind of have this freak out moment. And that actually expends more or expends more energy. So what you want to do is calm your heart down and to slow down. She says, you know, when you feel the need to speed up, that's most often when you really need to slow down. And speeding up and slowing down is, it could be a luxury, you know? If you have deadlines, you have budgets, you can't really just slow down whenever you feel like it. Um, mm. But there are other things that you can do to kind of, you know, speed something up if, you know, you're stuck and you need some ideas and you just need to get, you know, the the wheels turning again. Or if, you know, you are spinning a lot and you need to slow down and talk to people and, you know, see, share your work with other people. So we articulated the tools kind of like that. And yep. then there are like very, you know, like specific uh, tidbits or tips that we give, but we uh, wanted it to, to feel more like this DIY kind of toolkit that you could reach into and grab whatever you need, depending on the situation. And create your own. Mm-hmm. DIY. What um, I suppose to understand what tools you need for the situation, you need to have some level of awareness, don't you? Yes, yes, for sure. Um, even you know, if we uh, 
just learning what ambiguity is in the first place, understanding mm. what you're experiencing, yeah. um, you know, articulating what it is that uh, you're struggling with. And then actually that's in the first, the first balance in the toolkit is look in, look out, um, looking in, meaning understanding what's going on with yourself. Like what are the signs that you are experiencing some kind of uncertainty or your palms sweating <laughs> or, or is your heart racing? Um, what are the signs and just becoming aware of those so that, you know, Hey, I'm sort of freaking out here. Hmm. Um, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's what happens when I feel this way. And, hmm. um, once you have that awareness of yourself, uh, and you're good with ambiguity, that doesn't necessarily mean everybody around you is going to be as well. So then yeah. checking in with them and having an awareness of how it's affecting them as well. Yeah. Yeah. How do you check in with someone to see how it's affecting them just by asking questions? Yeah. By asking, um, by inviting them in to conversation, um, in the, uh, in the book, we talk about an example where, a. a fellow fellow of ours was really, really freaking out at the beginning of the fellowship, just so much uncertainty and, you know, being in this new place and all these new classes and just learning the design process. And um, he shared how he felt with somebody else hmm. and that somebody else said, I'm freaking out too, man. <laughs> and just sharing where he was with somebody else was yeah. that thing that opened it up. So not even just like, you know, going around and asking people how they are, but being honest and comfortable with where you are. Mm. Um, you know, you, you know when to look out when you're feeling really alone, when you're, um, you know, you've run out of inspiration, when your, your curiosity is kind of stalled. Like these are good moments to, to open yourself up to new inputs. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Do you particularly have um, like some sort of meditation practice or something that you subscribe to, to help you with your awareness and ability to, to check in? Um, meditation is a funny thing. Um, yeah. We actually, we taught meditation or we, we had meditation in the navigating ambiguity workshops initially. That was sort of a, you know, check in with yourself, this body check, like, how are you thinking? What are you thinking? How are you feeling? What are you feeling in your body kind of thing? But I personally have always struggled with kind of the textbook meditation, the sort of like sitting there and being Zen. My version of meditating is hiking. I, hiking. Yes. Yes. Uh, the, that's the only time that I really understand like that meditation is not about, um, it's about having nothing in your brain. That constant mm. dialogue isn't there. Like you're truly present, just yeah. enjoying the moment. Yeah. And I have a hard time doing that in my loud apartment. <laughs> yeah. I'm in a busy corner in San yeah. Francisco. Yeah. I have a much easier time doing that. And I've heard that walking meditation is a thing. It is. So I don't really have like a, I don't know. Do you have a, do you have a daily meditation practice that you do yourself? I do. I, I sort of adapt it and change it and stop it and then start it as I do in life with lots of things. Um, and the one I do now is based on the Wim Hof breathing meditation. Oh, I don't know um, that. Which giving you a couple of different benefits um, from his, it's not only meditation, it's, it's actually the benefits from that breathing exercise is, is quite profound too. Um, but look, in saying that, the, the walking meditation through nature, like walking out through nature, um, 
is so good for your self-awareness and and focus and energy um, mm-hmm. and many other things. You know, there's so much wonderful benefits that can come from that. And it's because we stopped walking outside in nature and stayed indoors that many of our our good senses have have faded away, like eyesight, for example. Um, I completely agree. I mean, stare, sitting inside, staring at screens all day, it's, yeah. it is a lot of information, but you're not getting the complexity of the real world that you really need to keep your brain sharp, I think. No, no, you're right. And that's what we mostly do these days, and that's what we'll do more of probably. But realistically, tech, technology should become that better that we don't actually have to be on it and we can actually be away from it more. I, I agree. You know, in my I work at Samsung Research America, which is the advanced R&D uh, innovation lab in San Francisco for or the Bay Area. It's in Mountain View for Samsung. And, you know, we look at a lot of advanced technology and the metaverse is one of those things. And so we're, you know, we're facing challenges or um, new technologies that are really asking us to to put ourselves even more into um, a digital environment, to put more of our lives there, to make it more detached from reality. There's a lot of interesting challenges to think about there. Mm, absolutely. More to come. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, you got the book here um, available on Amazon uh, at the moment, isn't it? It is. It's available on Amazon. It's available uh, through Audible, and it's available through your local independent booksellers, which I encourage you to to uh, check out. And how can people um, connect with yourself, uh, Andrea, or, or maybe um, even Kelly? Yes, uh, they can connect with either of us through the D School. Um, our, I think Kelly's the D email is, yep, k.schmoody at dschool.stanford.edu. And I'm Andrea at dschool.stanford.edu. I also have a website, andreasmall.com. And Kelly has a website for her business. She's an entrepreneur and a uh, founder. Her business is called Perfect Fit, and it's uh, creating inserts for ballet shoes so you could find her there as well yeah oh cool there you go um i've got the website here there we are andrea small so i'll stick the link in there in the show notes for the book as well um this is episode 1040 i think andrea wow um, that's amazing so we uh we we keep going but thank you it's people like you that i get the opportunity to speak with every week which is fantastic and and the audience listening out there to benefit from it as well so thank you for coming on and sharing thank you for having me and thank you for keeping curiosity going keep it going all right well uh guys connect with andrea thank you for coming on the show and all the links in the show notes until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels, using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. 
You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Martinuzzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon